all know the truth. More connects us than separates us. But in times of crisis, the wise build bridges, while the foolish build barriers. You raise walls, I destroy them. Let's see who prevails. Just because something works doesn't mean that it cannot be improved. I say we take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Allow my sword to join you in the fight against evil. The world needs us to chase dreams. We have to dedicate ourselves each and every single day to this fight because I can't do it alone. You, the people, have the power. The power to create machines. The power to create happiness. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful. To make this life a wonderful adventure. Then in the name of democracy, let us all unite! Welcome to At The Movies with Godzilla, King of the Monsters! What New Yorker doesn't dream of Boston being destroyed by giants? I feel like we're gonna get some email about that. No doubt. Yeah, no kidding. Woo! Well, I'm Sean. I'm Paul. I'm Alex. And I'm Jen. And obviously, we are here to discuss Godzilla King of the Monsters. And so that means we need to dive right in. Give us a synopsis, Jen. All right. So basically, this uh, film takes place, I guess, approximately five years after the 2014 Godzilla extravaganza called Godzilla that ended with the destruction of San Francisco. So this film begins with introducing a new family of characters and the death of their son, uh, because of Godzilla's destruction while fighting Muto in 2014 Godzilla. Uh, flash forward another five years to the present, obviously, and we have Dr. Emma Russell working on a project called the Orca that is supposed to somehow communicate with the Titans. And it turns out that Monarch, the erstwhile cryptozoological government agency that studies the titans the ability to make peace with them communicate with them control them some such thing she and madison as played by 11 are kidnapped by an eco-terrorist and forced to awaken mothra who is gorgeous by the way uh they then basically they hop around the world like Wakening the Titans, one of which is King Ghidorah, who obviously can control all the other Titans, and they go on a planet-wrecking spree as they are opposed by the Monarch crew and the military and a massive conversation over whether the Titans should be destroyed or if we should make peace with them because they in some way, shape, or form, can help the planet. And that is essentially the movie. Except for the, you know, the conflict between the two parents and Madison caught in the middle, but, you know. Yes, there is also that. That, that might be my thing to talk about. Mm. It, is, it is definitely a thing that happens in the movie. So that's kind of happening in conversation with the destroy titans let titans run havoc be friends with titans conversation is happening remember the titans 
Remember the Titans. <laughs> Movie references. You could even say this was a clash of the Titans. Oh! oh. What I thought was, was really amusing was like, they've got a lot of, you know, they've got some more Toho kaiju, and it's amazing because they've got Mothra and Ghidorah and um, Rodan. And then they're kind of like, yeah, and King Kong. Yeah, him too. Well, I mean, considering the fact that there is a much older Toho film that is Godzilla versus Kong, it works. It's not the first time. It was just not one of their better ones. No. <laughs> but really, how many of them are one of the better ones? Godzilla versus America's extremely problematic racism. Go! Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, indeed. All right. General impressions. Shall we do those? Yeah, we should. Yeah, we're going to have opinions. I think we are going to have opinions. This is going to be the episode where David listens to it and he just primal screams all the way through. I mean, wait, can, can we just pretend David is here and I'll be David for a minute? Formalism. Blah, blah, blah. Formalism. <laughs> I love you, David. We love you, David. The characters are supposed to be bad because formalism. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. We tease David, but he was meant to be here, and it's it's unfortunate that he couldn't be here, but he does have a great reason to not be here, so congratulations, David. Happy anniversary! Yes! The only excuse that we will accept for David missing this podcast so that he can yell at us about film theory because we're all uncultured swine. <laughs> Unfortunately, his cruise has gone wrong if you haven't heard it, now he's on a bus. Yeah, no! that is sad. It's very sad. Oh no, David. Poor David. But you know what? He should feel sorry for us because we, we've we got this movie. What? <laughs> you know what? Wow, okay. I feel like it's going to be. All right. Jen's like dr drawing a katana. So he's pulling on some gloves with, with steel plates sewn into them. <laughs> I'm going to just be straight up right now. I fell asleep twice during this movie. I found it so the other one I I rewatched it before uh before we did the podcast. I wish oh, I could watch it before Godzilla King of the Monsters, but I watched Godzilla 2014 and I know like when we talked about it a while back, I was you know it was like it was okay. Uh, there were a lot of really good cinematography, but the humans were boring and David was like, "Well, the humans are all ants, so whatever." And I was like, "Fine." This one I felt by comparison was insanely dull and directed incredibly poorly gareth edwards directed godzilla and i thought even though the the characters were kind of dull and boring at least from a visual perspective i felt this was really cool to watch it had some amazing shots it had some great fight sequences it was so well put together it's very clear that gareth edwards knew what the hell he was doing the fellow who did this one i don't know if it was the script that hampered it. He partly wrote the script, so it would have been his fault anyway. Uh, or if it was a studio thing and they wanted to cram a bunch of stuff in, or what. But I honestly found this film really, really boring. And at times, I felt like it was desperately trying to justify its own existence by saying lots of pseudo babble, techno babble nonsense to make it seem like this was a legitimate story. 
But the deeper I got into it, the more I was just like, could you just stop fucking explaining shit to me and just have like a goddamn monster fight? Like, could we just have that and just nobody else talks for 30 more minutes? And yeah, so pretty much that's where I was. I fell asleep uh, at the Sarazawa scene that we all know about. I fell asleep halfway through that because I was like, I just don't give two shits. And then after it, I was just like, well, now I'm irritated. Yeah. So honestly, I just I just didn't like it. I, I try I struggled with this for a few days trying to figure out where I stood. And now that I've kind of let it stew, I just realized it's not that it's a bad film. It's just it wasn't worth paying money for. You're entitled to your opinions, but they're wrong. Okay. That's great. <laughs> I'll watch the other Godzilla again because I find that infinitely more enjoyable. <laughs> that that's I mean I guess you can go with that. Even even Skull Island I found way more enjoyable than this. Yeah, see I haven't seen that yet, so It's not um, bad. It's not great, but it's it's just it's you know, it's decent. I mean, I, I haven't seen Skull Island, but I hear that it has Tom Hiddleston and Tom Hiddleston's tight little booty, so that probably helps. It Ooh. does. Yeah, it has Britain's ass. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Playing an American, but but still, it is Britain's ass. Yeah, and it does have Brie Larson in it. I, I think Skull Island is worth seeing. It's pretty fun. It's got some great elements to it. Uh, it does seem to have a better sense of itself by c- comparison. Uh, I just, yeah, I, I don't. Anyway, someone else go. I'm just, now I'm getting irritated with myself. <laughs> you should be, sir. Oh, f- fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul, it's your turn. It's my turn. Okay, my impression of the movie was that it is a bit of a boat car. The Yeah. The, hu- the human storyline does not intersect or interpolate very well with the the kaiju storyline, and unlike the 2014 Godzilla, which, as I mean, if David is here, we say formalism, characters are ants, that's the point. This movie tried really hard and really clumsily to try to make this family drama to be the center pole of the movie. And in a Godzilla movie, I'm not entirely certain that's the best move you could possibly make. I was much more interested whenever the kaiju were on screen than. When uh when these three characters uh were basically wrangling with each other, it's like I'm sick of this quasi separation divorce thing. Please give me back more kaiju. Um, when the I kind of agree with Sarn respects that the cinematography of the kaiju wasn't as good as in the previous film, but the, fortunately the the movie doesn't give us too many extra monsters. I mean, we get wrote we get King Ghidorah, of course, we get Mothra, we get. We get Rodan, and we get glimpses of other monsters, but we don't go overboard with too many villains, which which could have sunk this movie. I was I was afraid we were just going to have not enough character to the kaiju. So, luckily avoided that. And of course, as I mentioned in the tagline, the movie destroys Boston, starting with Fenway Park. So how can I not like it? <laughs> I do want to just note, Paul, that there are in fact double the number of villains or 400% if you count the Mutos as one unit, which I would just because they operate together, but the, it is considerably more villain characters. Yes, but but there's not too many of them. Nope, nope. There's actually only two villains. The Titans are not villains, they are neutral creatures. No, they pretty clearly established that King Ghidorah is 
bad. And, and I was going to say, I, I want to give a shout out to Matt Wallace, who did an amazing Twitter thread about this movie, in which he pointed out that King Ghidorah during this movie, has his motivations and characterization more clearly explained than Thanos managed over two movies. Yes, he's absolutely (laughs) right. And I would also posit that Rodan is a better character than Thanos as well, because you totally fucking understand what's going on with Rodan, because he's the little whiny butt-kissing sycophant. He's the Starscream. Yeah, he is the Starscream to to King Ghidorah. (laughs) Yes! Megatron. So, you know, I feel like in doing it right, you know, we, we should put this in the, the ticking it in the doing it right column. That's awesome. All right, Alex, it is your turn. So I'm actually solidly with Paul about like the boat carness. And that's actually when we get to like specific things. I want to talk about kind of the metatextual and and sort of wider problems that I had with the film and why I think it didn't work because basically it was two different movies. It was the movie that the kaiju were in and then like Zhangzi and Ken Watanabe were in and that was like a good movie that was fun and things were getting blown up and cars were getting smashed and that's like basically what I wanted. And then there was this bullshittery about the white family that we're supposed to give a crap about and all their problems and they were definitely more characters than the 2014 Godzilla. I think I unfortunately did not get a chance to rewatch it because work has just been making my life really difficult, but we went from characters that were non-characters to characters that I actively disliked. I mean, Eleven's character was okay. I mean, she was your typical, like, spunky kid who makes some really poor decisions, but she's a kid, but oh my God, the Mark Russell character played by Kyle Chandler, whoever the fuck that is. Oh my god, I just wanted to push him in front of a bus. Or preferably in front of a kaiju. But anyway. Oh, interesting, because I, I felt very I felt that about both him and the mom. But especially the mom. I mean, the mom, I, I felt like she was a little more useful in the sense of, you know, when she was like, now I will move the plot forward with my plot shoes. Oh, sure, yeah. But I also, Sean, I agree with you that that every time they were like, and now we're going to try to explain the thing. I was like, you don't have to fucking explain anything. It's a kaiju movie. Just let it be. Just let it go. Yeah, I think we'll we'll dive into the specifics of that after we're done with generals. So I will shut my mouth and let you continue. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so that's, you know, when I, I, I went and I saw it with, with three of my friends, including Elise Tobler, and everyone was like, wait, well... Elise and, and Karina were like way more hype about it than I was when we, we got out of the movie. And I was like, I want to be as happy as you. Why don't I feel as happy as you? And then my friend Isaac, who is not particularly into kaiju movies, basically was like, well, you know, he told me b- pretty much all of his complaints about the human characters. And I was like, ah, that is why I'm not happy, as happy as my other friends, because, uh, so... Once again, it's like, I don't know, they just needed to, to like focus on making one movie instead of making two movies at the same time where one of them was really boring and not very good. Yeah, and, and if, if, I, if I may, when we're done with Generals, can we come immediately back to the character stuff? Because I think, I think there's a lot that we need to talk about. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like the character stuff is kind of goes part and parcel with like probably some of the, the meta elements that I have serious problems with. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah, 
yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah, it is a boat car. I will wholly admit that this film is a boat car. However, as a Godzilla movie, you're really just intended, as David says, the whole formalism thing. Fuck the car. Don't take really his fucking side. What are you doing? I totally do take his side because this is a Godzilla film. All Godzilla films. It's like, Paul, you were on the Super Inframan episode, correct? I was. So this suffers from some of the same things that Super Inframan does, except that Super Inframan is like a, a monumentally worse film. But, like, the family scenes in Super Inframam, you're like, why is this here? And then you realize it's just so that the monsters can fight with each other, and you're supposed to get that, I guess, human element to things. Because if you completely divorce yourself from the human element, then the kaiju rampaging across the planet and destroying everything has no meaning, right? Right. Who gives a shit about the people? It's just, who gives a shit? They're ants. So they interject some people who you're supposed to care about. Did this movie succeed at making you care about those people? No, I didn't care about those people. I cared about some people. I cared about Ken Watanabe. I cared about Zhang Ziyi because of a certain Easter egg with her, especially. Um, and Sally Hawkins. And I cared about the military crew. And I am so gay for Griff, it's not even fucking funny. <laughs> I'm just saying. Griff was amazing and I loved her. Uh, so, like, there were people that I did care for, but they were the f- ones that were not the family. Um, I The villains were weak and one-dimensional and they were, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're your pretty typical, like, he's your pretty typical eco-terrorist turned, you know, profiteer. Um, and she's just stupid. And uh, I also have very specific things to say about the fact that she is essentially this film's version of white feminist liberalism and therefore gives no shit about all the brown people that she is killing across the planet with her plot to change the world and make it better. Yay! So fuck her. I guess that was a spoiler. Was that a spoiler? That was kind of a spoiler. Sorry about that, peeps. But. The kaiju were fucking beautiful. Like, absolutely stunningly beautiful. You guys are talking about how you weren't as impressed with it. That's fine. Go ahead. But they were ethereal in their quality. Ghidorah was just like, oh my god, the Hydra of my dreams. Oh yeah, Ghidorah was amazing. And so was Mothra. And so was Rodan. Like, oh my god, that spinny bit. I love it. It's in the trailers. Everybody go watch it. That spinny bit where he destroys the planes is one of the coolest moves ever. Uh, the other kaiju are less prominent in this, um, but there are apparently 17 of them. If you want to go look that up, I actually have a link that I'll put in the show notes. But the fight scenes were exactly what I wanted out of my kaiju movie. Godzilla being the good guy. The moments when, you know, they get to help Godzilla because they realize that he is their best bet for saving the world. Loved those bits. And so I just paid attention to the boat. The car was just like, okay, whatever, there's a car over there. That's nice. Get back to the the fighting. And they did. And this movie, basically, in my opinion, I know you, Sean thinks it was boring, but it did not let up its pace. And when I came out, I was still hyped and slightly tense and like whooping. And so were my kids. And my kids now are like, 
mom show us all the kaiju and basically that is uh to me why this movie wins so there you go my general impression all right so spoiler wall time because we have to put up the spoiler wall so Jen, I think in the future, all of the spoiler wall things should just be that recording of Sean making the siren noises instead of the... <laughs> right? I might just do that. Clip and save. <laughs> sure, go for it, because we've been using a Star Trek sound this whole time. But if that's what you want to do, have at it. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Okay, so spoilers are up, and I'm just going to go straight into the the characters and then I, this will branch off because i know alex definitely has has opinions on this yeah so here's my issues with the characters uh, i agree with everything that's been said that the characters we're supposed to focus on are honestly kind of the worst i didn't understand at all what uh dr emma russell's whole deal is she's like oh but like the godzilla killed my son so i'm gonna kill everybody by releasing all the kaiju and that somehow makes things better because my what? So f- I don't know what the fuck that was about. Mark Russell's character is boring as balls. Like the only reason that Madison's character was interesting is because it's fucking Eleven. And I kept hoping to God that she would have like some sort of psychic connection to a kaiju because at least that would make it interesting. My problem with the characters in this film is that the most interesting characters basically get shoved into the background or don't get anything to do. You cannot have a movie with Charles fucking dance and give him like three fucking lines to read. One of them is him yelling at a kid because the mom is terrible. You can't have Ken Watanabe and then just have him get blown up by a nuke and then just be like, oh, that's okay. And nobody like bats an eye. He's one of the most interesting of the human characters in these fucking movies. And they just have him die unceremoniously in some bullshit. All of the interesting characters are in the background. That was totally ceremoniously. Fuck, whatever. I don't care. I fell asleep. It was a noble sacrifice, Sean. Exactly. Let someone else sacrifice themselves. Jesus Christ, they could have let fucking uh, Mark Russell send his dumbass in there. We don't need him after the apocalypse. Who cares? Well, I, I mean, yeah, Mark Russell was really sucky, but I mean, from a story perspective, like... What they did with Sarazawa was fucking beautiful, and it actually, like, brought a tear to my eye. 100%. Oh, I just found it irritating. And he was like, and now I'm going to reach out and basically touch God and then get blown up. (laughs) Yeah, that was beautiful. Yes, it was a a moving scene, Sean. I mean, I I couldn't care about the white family, but that was a moving scene seeing his death. But I have opinions as to, you know, why that was super moving and the other stuff wasn't. But anyway, I'll let Sean continue his rant. I mean, I'm very curious what you're going to have to say, because for me, I just got really frustrated by the characters that were put front and center. Uh, because the films like this, when the, when the real focus should be on like the big action set pieces, which we've talked about before, right? All these kaiju running around blowing shit up and running into each other and using their superpowers and all that stuff. That's supposed to be our big action focus. And when you waste time on characters that just frankly aren't compelling and aren't interesting and are played by people who frankly aren't interesting or compelling, 
you're just wasting time in the film, right? Charles Dance is a great character actor, so give him some fucking scenery to chew. He is the closest thing we'd get to a Christopher Lee in one of these films. So let him chew some fucking scenery, right? Ken Watanabe, I just want more of him. I get maybe maybe have him die closer to the end of the film, so there's there's more of him in it, right? Give me more of Zhang Ziyi. Give me more of Sally Hawkins. Uh, I don't give two shits about Thomas Middleditch, who desperately tries to make this film funny and honestly just kept thinking he was going to sell me a sell plan. Like, I just, I, I find so many of the characters that get sidelined uninteresting. All of the military characters, right? I know, Jen, that you had mentioned Griff. Uh, there is uh, Colonel Diane Foster, played by Asia Hines. There are all of these other characters. Uh, uh, Chief Warren, uh, Warren Officer Barnes, played by O'Shea Jackson Jr., all these more interesting characters that frankly should have been more centered and they just get shoved aside for this bullshit family that I just don't care. I don't care about any of their shit at all. And yeah, so I, I sound like more angry than I am. I think it's just because I found so much of that stuff boring as shit. And that's what was putting me to sleep was just every time we kept going to them and I was just like, I don't, I don't care. You're not interesting right now. What? Give me something else. Uh, so, but I'll, I'll throw this over to Alex because I could rant about how much I fucking hate all the characters. But I'm curious what, what you thought, Alex, and how this ties into your the differences, the things that you liked, and the things that you took issue with in the structuring of the story. So, okay. I mean, basically, and I really wish I'd had a chance to rewatch the 2014 Godzilla because I'm still kind of like mentally working through this. But I did feel like on, on a, a, a meta level... The movie was having problems because it was trying to be two different movies. On one hand, it was trying to be a kaiju movie. And that was the movie the monsters were in. And that was the movie that Ken Watanabe was in where he had his amazing, you know, like, I'm going to go save Godzilla and that beautiful moment. And that was the movie that Zhang Ziyi was in, right? And then the other movie it was trying to be was a typical American Hollywood action blockbuster movie. Where, and, and you know, we have seen this so many fucking times that we all know the beats because, I mean, it was in Jurassic World and it's in basically everything that comes out in the summer that they think is going to be a quasi-family film where it's like, America's military, fuck yeah, and this is all about reconstituting the, nu the nuclear family. Oh yeah, that was the one thing through this entire film that I uh, was like about to fucking throw down was that whole reconstitution of the American family bullshit and mm -hmm. redeeming the evil bitch that caused all these fucking problems in the first place and was like, brown people in the rest of the world, let them die because we have overpopulation, excuse me, and it is all their fault. Yeah, I mean, it's like, just remember, we're, you know, overpopulation is code for, I think there are too many brown people. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, oh, that redemption moment. Mm. Urgh, and and it's it's basically what the redemption moment tells you on a meta level is it doesn't matter that she murdered a bunch of people and destroyed Boston, which I mean I don't know if Paul's gonna like send her a thank you card. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like what it says is everything she has done doesn't matter because she's come back and she's going to be a good mommy and be a good woman person. And then she sacrifices herself. But yeah, I mean, so it's basically like, I think that was why the movie felt like a boat car. 
because it wasn't entirely being a kaiju movie. It was being a kaiju movie that was overprinted by this, you know, really typical vomity snooze fest American action movie summer blockbuster formula. And so, you know, that's my theory of the case, which I felt like the 2014 had a little bit because it also had a nuclear family that we were supposed to give a shit about. But Gareth Edwards was at least so much more conscious about the kaiju movie that he was trying to make that it it didn't feel as disjointed as this one. And then kind of the other problem I have that is obviously more on a meta level that has to do with kind of like my personal politics, but... Frankly, anytime a movie is like, the villains are eco-terrorists, I like throw up in my own mouth. And especially when the first movie, and, you know, one of my complaints about the first movie was that it didn't really make its metaphor terribly clear and it didn't necessarily work. But according to pretty much everyone involved in the 2014 production, the kaiju are a metaphor for climate change. So. Then we get to this movie, and and yeah, you know, part of the beauty of the Toho movies is that it's kind of an evolving metaphor for, like, whatever problem Japan was facing at the time, you could kind of read that into the movie that got made. I don't know what the fuck the kaiju were a metaphor for this time. I guess sort of like a vague kind of, ooh, nature, but then the, you know, the bad humans are eco-terrorists that are unleashing nature. I don't know. Plus the alien Ghidorah, where does that fit in? Yeah, I mean, we're... Yeah, it's an alien. I mean, you have, basically, it is, it's climate change is the actual villain, right? And so... So if we're still going with the kaiju, our climate change... No, 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 no. The kaiju themselves are not climate change. The thing that the kaiju are fighting against is climate change. Because they essentially, if you read the like the clips that come right after the film when they're leading into Godzilla versus Kong, they're actually healing the planet. The problem is, is that Ghidorah is like this alien thing that is like, oh, well, you've already fucked this planet up and I think I'll take it from you and fuck it up the rest of the way. And he unleashes the kaiju in a more destructive fashion. Whereas Godzilla's job is essentially to rein them in so that they are working in balance with the planet. And that's essentially what the doctor, Dr. Emma believes. Unfortunately, she's still just a twisted white lady. And so she fucks all that up. And, you know, because she doesn't count on the fact that Ghidorah is there and going to destroy all of her carefully managed plans to destroy half the planet. I mean, to be fair to her extremely terrible plan, they didn't right. know that Ghidorah was from outer space right. until Zhang Ziyi <laughs> did a bunch of Googling that apparently nobody had thought to do before. Um, right. Which actually, that does bring me to the one moment that I fucking loved from eco-terrorist guy with Charles Dance is when, you know... We find out that Emma was a was bad all along, and then her daughter like freaks yes! out and runs off, and he's just like, "What the fuck did you expect?" That's right. What fairy tale did she tell you, little girl? And you're like, "Oh my goodness." Yeah, that was like the one moment that was beautiful because it was nice for him to be like, "Yeah, I'm a fucking bad guy." So's your mom. Did she not tell you this? Right. Right. And this is why I had wanted 
more of Charles Dance because when he gets lines, he delivers them great. You feel that he is menacing and he is a bad person. I don't buy the eco-terrorist line. Like they say they're eco-terrorists, but like- Oh, well, they say that they started out that way and then just became profiteers. So- Well, yeah, but the thing is, okay, you say they started out that way and then they just became profiteers. I don't know honestly where you get that from because all I got was the movie telling me over and over that he's an eco-terrorist, which I mean, sure, whatever. There was literally a whole line about it, like right at the beginning. There's also a bit at the end credits when he is buying one of the heads from Ghidorah and he flat out says, we'll take it. And I'm like, well, (laughs) they kind of went to this secret facility to like look at this head. So they must have like paid for it. So there's some degree of, they're using it for some other purpose than just simply just destruction. I think that's a bit of a leap, but okay. When they first introduce who he is to everybody else in the Argo, they talk about how he was an eco-terrorist. However, since then, uh, to fund his operations and then moving from there, he just started selling kaiju parts. Right, he was like selling like DNA and shit. Yeah. But it's not... It's not really present in the movie, which is really frustrating because that's kind of interesting. And yet they just like, it's just a line. And if they had sidelined the Russell family and made him the primary yeah. villain with his organization, that would be so much more interesting. What it That would actually have been a lot more coherent because then it would have been like the bad guy is someone with a profit motive who, you know, maybe has a good story. But since they've got... You know, Emma in there being like, blah, 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 restore balance. I don't know. It was like, it didn't know what kind of fucking movie it wanted to be. True. I agree. But my thing is, I appreciate the fact that white liberalism finally got to be the villain in a movie. That's all I'm saying. Like, I 100% was like, fuck yeah, white liberalism sucks. Because we don't actually take into account anybody but ourselves. Thank you. Godzilla movie. Unfortunately, they gave her the redemption moment, which like kind of ruined all that. But for most of the movie, I was like, yes, she is a monster. I think there have been other movies where you get the villain that's like, blah, 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 overpopulation. But I mean, your point is taken. Kingsman. Yeah. Kingsman does it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's in a lot of films. Oh, for sure. But it's rarely portrayed as the white woman that's doing it. That is true. And I actually kind of appreciated the fact, though, I mean, I totally agree that the family, I could, the family dynamic I could have mostly thrown out. Like if Kyle Chandler's character was just like a guy who knew hunting a lot and maybe separate from the scientist lady and her daughter, I actually appreciated that you had a scientist lady who has also twisted her daughter's mind to the extent that she has. And I did appreciate when Charles Dance was like, you know, what the hell did you think this was? And Eleven finally is like, oh, wow, I'm an idiot. I I wouldn't frame it as as twisted her mind so much as lied to her and given her her an oppression of reality that doesn't exist. Twisting makes it seem like she's manipulated her into believing in things that are harmful. But I think what you mean is that she's basically told her a series of lies or distortions so that what she thinks is happening is one thing, but what's really happening is like a completely other fucking thing. Well, I mean, basically, it sounds like what Emma did was just tell her daughter the comforting 
thing that she was telling herself about like, oh, you know, we need to return balance to the world and did it and just left out the part about how a bunch of people were going to die. Yeah. You know, we'll just gloss over that. Yeah. I'm not sure how Eleven didn't notice that part. Like, what did they honestly, regardless, what the fuck did they think was going to happen when a giant monster was released on the planet? Well, I mean, as, as Charles danced said right I mean, the man was right the volcano eruption alone is like you think there's right. tons of collateral damage you're gonna cause this is not gonna be a clean process you're gonna kill thousands of people even beyond the kaiju it's like come on buy a vowel eleven does have that moment why don't you let them escape and you're like because that wasn't the point honey mm-hmm. <laughs> ah. i mean to be fair she's meant to be A kid who... Kids sometimes don't pick up on that stuff. Yeah, especially... Especially if they've been manipulated their entire life by their twisted mother. Yes. Yeah, absolutely, right? If you... you It it very much seems like her mother has taken full custody, obviously, in this film. And has neglected huge pieces of information. And, And to be fair, both of them have, just in different ways. If the father fucks off to go, like, do nature photography... Which, I don't know how you do nature photography and just, like, take pictures of wolves like that's normal when you've had a fucking giant lizard blow down a whole city. But sure, okay. Well, I don't think he was doing nature photography. I think he was... No, he's a zoologist. Yeah, he's a zoologist. He was out there doing a study on a wolf pack. Well, okay, sure, whatever, while taking pictures. <laughs> I mean, not Fine. that I'm defending him, because he was literally the worst character in the entire movie. And I'm counting yeah. Emma in that, too. Like, I don't know. At least I was like, you know, she's kind of interesting in that, oh, she, you know, initially she, you're like, oh, she got kidnapped. Then you're like, oh, she's the bad guy. And then, you know, okay, the ending, her the end of her arc is really fucking stupid. But, like, him, he was pointless. He was just like, I don't like Godzilla. I want Godzilla to die. Oh, I guess Godzilla shouldn't die. Cause stuff. I'm gonna be here to like deliver some really unnecessary explanations that complicate everything and be I just I hated him. I hated him so much. I just he's so boring. I hated him. And this ties into a, a thing that I found frustrating, which is that the f- film uses him and some of the other characters to try desperately to make things make sense in and some sort of like to. pseudo it's a fucking kaiju movie right like they don't need to like let's have like a, a biology lesson about dominance and all of this stuff and like here's all of these like blurger blurger like let me throw some words out and things and my my whole thought was like we don't need all that like the first film uh, Watanabe's character Sarazawa was all just like let them fight and like <laughs> that was basically the extent of what he was telling everybody and he was trying to give explanations, but he wasn't, like, coloring it with lots of babble. This film is just tons of babble shit. Like, everyone's talking like they figured everything out. And I feel like it takes a lot of the mystery away. It just makes it less compelling. Well, because I, I think that's that was kind of the whole point of, of, of Ken Watanabe's character, is he's almost like... Almost like, a, like the spiritual center of the film. Like, he, you know, he was in the first film. And and he he tried to be in this film, like, you know, with his entire thing about saving Godzilla and, you know, base because you can tell like, he's a man who deeply believes that these are, are massive, unknowable creatures that are basically like the embodiments of forces of nature. And 
you know, so he he would have been there to to like give more of that if we hadn't been so busy listening to Russell whine about shit. <laughs> True. Well, I mean, in his defense, like I don't remember him. I mean, he whines a bit in the first half of the movie, but by the second half of the film, he's finally like, oh, "Okay, this is how they're functioning. Let's figure this out." And I was like, "Okay, we're we're good now." And then, of course, the last little portion of the movie he's like i must save my daughter and then apparently my wife who even though she is evil but you know here's my thing toss them out and granted that obviously is like why would you toss out a portion of the movie when it's obviously in the movie but toss them out and you have exactly what every godzilla movie has ever been except that in this one I think they did a really good job of explaining kind of the mythos and the history and who all of these titans are in a way that new audiences can actually enter into the field and not be completely lost by this massive amount of mythos that exists in the Godzilla universe. Because we're looking at a franchise that literally has something like four or five series that interconnect in ways that make no freaking sense whatsoever and yet here we are this is like completely separate from a japanese uh toho line of films that is happening right now largely focusing on mecha godzilla that look freaking awesome i have to say um but this is this is like the American offering. This is like, that family is essentially adding Raymond Burr to the original Godzilla, which frankly yeah, was Jesus. utterly pointless in yeah. the original film and continues to be pointless here. But when you look at how, like, obviously a, a film production company is going to look at a film, they're going to be like, especially an American film company, because they're like, oh, America, fuck yeah. They're going to be like, we need the American nuclear family because that is the only way that Americans will care. And you end up with one and you're like, okay, can we just seriously just get rid of them? One of the things about that nuclear family, which I think is obviously like Alex, you and I watched The Meg with David and we fucking love that movie. And that still had a, a sort of nuclear family that is in a way constituted. It's not reconstituted, but it is constituted in the Meg. But it is done so in a much more deft fashion. And yes. it also isn't centering an American, specifically an American family. And I think that's really, in the end, what I had the biggest problem with is that I didn't care. I was... This white family were the villains, essentially. Well, the mom and the daughter kind of are. The daughter goes, oh, I don't want to be a villain. And the dad is like, you know, he technically wants to destroy Godzilla because Godzilla killed his son. And so really, this is all his revenge fantasy until he's like, oh, maybe I was dumb. Um, but that's really all they are. So what you do have, though, is a bunch of really cool characters in Monarch. And Monarch is largely what you're supposed to be focusing on in this entire situation. It's unfortunately kind of sidelined a little bit by the family, but each member of that family are still part of Monarch. And Monarch is the thing that has been working on the side for apparently 60 some odd years. And one of my favorite moments, because I am like an old school Godzilla fan, is when you finally get that context with Zhang Zi's not just character, but characters, because it turns out she's one of the twins. Oh my freaking god! I might have cried a lot. 
or a little. I don't remember which. But her appearing, the Dr. Chen version of her, not the Dr. Ling version of her, or maybe it was the Dr. Ling version and not the Dr. Chen version, when she reveals her face, when Mothra comes out of her cocoon, that was majestic. Because, not just because Mothra is majestic, but because the history of the twins with Mothra as her, you know, spokesperson, spokespeople, uh, and and caretaker and all of those things is one of, like, the most beautiful aspects of the Godzilla franchise. And it was really nice to see that here. And I think... Essentially, what it came down to as I was watching this film is that, yes, the nuclear family sucks. It sucks ass. Uh, Destroy them all. Um, They're the villains. But Monarch is there trying to create a world in which these, knowing that the Titans exist, knowing that they are an important facet of the balance of Earth and our ecosystem, and trying to make that happen in a way that isn't going to destroy the entire planet and happens peaceably along with our military and our civilians and everything else. They fuck up horribly, obviously, because they have a evil villain in their midst and apparently not very good security. Um, but I really love that aspect of the film. So that's that's basically what I wanted to say. Monarch, yeah. Fuck yeah. I, I think, and and this will be just kind of my, my last thing I, I just want to say to sort of collect the argument that I was I was making is that the whole thing with the Meg worked because when we saw the Meg, it was supposed to be an American action summer blockbuster. And it wasn't! <laughs> so the question it just leaves me with is, can you make a Godzilla movie, an American Godzilla movie, that is actually really a Godzilla movie when you're trying to overprint it with American blockbuster stuff? That that's that's mostly what's going on in my head. I think that is a very valid question, and it's something that I have not been convinced by in these films yet. So if that helps any. Because this is not Shin Godzilla, for instance. No, not even close. Right. <laughs> oh, goodness, no. Right. <laughs> I more enjoyed the mythos that we see of all these kaiju when people weren't trying to over-explain them. Like, what, we, 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 see, we, we see the birth of King Ghidorah come out of the volcano and him starting to wreck the world and having the, the, the kaiju basically bowing to him. It's, I, 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 I like this movie better when the kaiju are seen and act rather, rather than we're told what they do. Uh, the, the whole conflict between Godzilla and King Ghidorah is basically a conflict of who's going to control these primal forces, and I appreciated how that played out. I appreciated Mothra's sacrifice to, make, to allow Godzilla to be able to beat King Ghidorah in the end. So beautiful. I, it, 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 it was a beautiful, touching moment. I mean, I, I don't want to think too hard about uh, Mothra-Gothra-Godzilla relations, but that's okay. I'm, I mean, we even got an undercard in that fight when, when Mothra takes out Rodan. I, I was thinking this is like a wrestling match. Here we have the undercard, Rodan versus Mothra, and then we're going to have Godzilla versus King Ghidorah for, for, for the title in Fenway Park. <laughs> go, go have it. I, Tag I, in! I, 
Tag, Loved it. Well, yes, tag in. Exactly. I mean, I, I would love to have this on DVD just to freeze frame to see all the different names of all the different kaiju floating around the planet. I mean, we that's where we first get the intimations that Skull Island does exist in the Godzilla cinematic universe. I was I I I wanted to talk about this ten minutes ago when you guys were talking, but you know, you guys were too busy. Um, but this clearly this movie, as as Jim was talking about, is trying to build this information for the for American audience. This is trying to build a cinematic universe because God, Godzilla is a complete utter mess of a of a franchise to try to introduce to American audiences. If just to see, just think of the 1990s movie with Matthew Broderick as an example of just how badly this can go wrong. Not a Godzilla movie. (laughs) Everybody who has like, basically everyone is like, no, I'm sorry, but that's not actually a Godzilla movie. Except for the people who named it. Except for the people who named it. (laughs) So, 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 So this movie tries it's it's stuff i mean when the characters are trying to explain things it goes wrong it's the things we see in the background the screens the the stuff over the beginning of the end, of the end credits the 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 glimpses we see that actually build the universe much better than anything anybody ever says in this movie. And I, and I appreciate that. I mean, we don't get to see many kaiju beyond, beyond the major ones I've, I've mentioned because too many of them. And we'd wind up having this movie over crammed with, with villains and monsters. I mean, I did enjoy, I did enjoy the fight, but the, the, the combats we have, I mean, God, Godzilla gets punked in in his first, go around with King Ghidorah and I appreciate that it's not a try try it's not a try fail cycle because it's just two bouts but I did appreciate that Godzilla basically had to get himself lifted off and I like to think that if if uh, Ken Watabe didn't sacrifice himself yeah maybe 10 20 years Godzilla would come back and kick King Ghidorah's butt it's the humans only provided the catalyst not a not a a real aid to the kaiju I mean the the yeah, for all the humans saying, "Oh, we have to help, we have to help King Ghidorah this, we have to help Godzilla this time," the humans' help basically was Ken Watabe. That's the only help that Godzilla needed, plus Mothra, in order to beat the beat this alien threat. I mean, this movie mixes metaphors with the kaiju's rather terribly. The first movie was much more effective in like the kaiju or climate change. This movie, I'm not quite sure where the metaphor is supposed to be. Except, yay, kaiju, kaiju, kaiju get to fight. Hurrah, hooray. And, and I think just one small clarification. I, I think you meant to say that it was Rodan that comes out of the volcano. Uh, but I think you accidentally said Ghidorah. But Ghidorah comes out of the ice. Can, can, can I mention how much I love the fact that you can see Ghidorah's heads arguing? Yes! I mean, there, yes. there's like so much in that is a cool the kaiju detail. that's yeah. so amazing, and I mean, Mothra is yeah, is my everything. Mothra touched my heart. Mothra, yeah, I really like Mothra in this. I, I, I realized after the fact because I'd forgotten that Mothra like does this Jesus rebirth thing. Thanks, Alex, for reminding me because I got really upset when Mothra gets vaporized. Uh, <laughs> I did. I just got really mad. I was like. Fuck this movie, and then you reminded me that oh, that's just kind of what Mothra does, and was like, oh yeah, you're you're totally right because Mothra, I feel like deserves it, this. Really should have been like Godzilla and Mothra, king and queen of the monsters, but it it they didn't go that way because it's a Godzilla movie. But Mothra's fantastic, and really, 
I kind of felt like it was the most adorable kaiju I've ever seen in my life. That's because it is one of the most adorable kaiju that you have ever seen in your life, except maybe Baby Godzilla. Earlier, someone mentioned the fact that, in a sense, the the kaiju have more characterization than the characters, which is not entirely false. The kaiju in this are incredibly expressive, which I really loved. Um, And it was interesting because there was a review that said, you know, without Godzilla being a man in a bodysuit, you know, he is less anthropomorphized, which I couldn't actually disagree more with in the context of this film, because you get a lot of those really cool moments of Godzilla interacting with the humans that I really enjoyed because it showed that, I mean, obviously you have what's his face like being like, don't move, don't show you're going to attack, blah, blah, blah. And then his weird revelation that it's, it's humans that (laughs) she combined the orca with, (laughs) which I'm still confused by as to what the hell, why, I, I don't know. Anyway. But I, I loved seeing Godzilla's interactions with the people, and I loved seeing the individual kaiju with those expressions, as Alex said, like King Ghidorah uh, with the fighting heads and all of that stuff was so cool. And it was really cool how each monster, sorry, how each titan got its own moves, essentially, and its own special powers. And I'm like, ooh, Pokemon, want to catch them all? And then I will train them and they will fight for me. Because that's essentially what this movie is. One giant Pokemon battle. (laughs) (laughs) So I do want to say, because earlier I had criticized the film from a cinematography perspective. And I want to say that I didn't actually have any problem with the designs of the monsters. For, for the most part, I thought they were pretty well done. I think Mothra especially, I thought was the most beautifully rendered, just because I think it's probably just the colors. And then also the cute little squeaks that Mothra makes uh, are really adorable. And I just want to be hugged and, and you know, anyway. Uh, but my issue, I think, cinematography-wise was that in the first Godzilla movie, it does these really great things where it builds up to these moments that are very beautifully constructed. And this film, I felt like because there was so many, so much going on, there were so many characters that a lot of it felt less like we're building up to these really compelling moments and more like we're just building up to more fight. And that, I, I just felt like it was really missing in the direction because what I wanted was I wanted something like what they had in the first Godzilla movie. Like there's this brilliant moment when there's all this fog in the city and you have the music very light and then lightning hits and you see the shadow of Godzilla through the fog. That is absolutely one of the most beautiful shots in that entire film. And in this film, I just felt like they just sort of resorted to, let me just show you the monster. And while they're rendered well, and they're very, they've looked very nice. And I love the little details in terms of the character design. I wanted like a more of an awareness of, of environment and how the characters are introduced into scenes and constructed. And I just really didn't get it. It just was too, it felt too, um, I guess, kind of video gamey to me, but not in a good way. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but hopefully it makes some vague notion of sense. I just wanted more moments and less, just let's just have the creatures here and that's it. There were a couple exceptions. One big one would be the the Ghidorah with the lightning coming out of all of the 
That I thought was a really cool shot. But for the most part, I was just very unsatisfied with that. Like one thing I I, I kind of noticed is, and and it was especially when it, they were like interacting with with the people and the environments. I kept getting this impression like the the kaiju were of variable size. Like I never really got a good sense of of how big anything was. Or how how large distances were, because it was kind of like whatever it needed to be at the time to to get a particular sh- effect shot. So, like, sometimes they seemed a lot bigger than other times, if that makes sense. Well, especially since you had their, their flagship aircraft that is so gigantic that it actually, in some ways, shrinks the kaiju. If that makes sense. So I totally agree that the scale was was hard was hard to to settle on, especially when you're looking at uh, you know the size of different cities and how tall buildings are and and a lot of those things never quite agreed with each other. Well, and and it was even stuff like in the end when, you know, they're they're wrecking Boston and like how far away is the house from Fenway Park? And how did she get there? And then why is it taking Ghidorah so much longer to get there than it apparently took one little girl? And then Ghidorah's like chasing a car, but <laughs> I guess he's like a lot slower now. I don't know. Maybe he was tired. He he like stepped on a Lego. It, it got a little like, you know, it was like, okay, a complaint I had in Infinity War with some, with the Thanos stuff was, it's like, his his power and his his weight in the world was whatever it needed to be to establish the sh- the shot that they needed and that was exactly the same problem that we had with the kaiju which i don't know if that's a problem that's like native to something being so heavily cgi but it's just like it's not present in it's not present in the first one yeah the no the first one, one is there, like there's a very clear sense of oh, yeah, weight and you movement. know how big godzilla is at all times in that movie and and for all the complaints i had about godzilla 2014 that was never one of them i think again i think that's largely because in this film you see the humans mostly flying around in the air or in contained spaces as opposed to outside in comparison to the kaiju so you never ever get the sense of humans as ants that you do in Godzilla 2014 even though you're supposed to um this one tried to make the humans much more prominent than they should be in a kaiju film on a lot of levels yeah yeah and and one thing i think that we're missing is that it, it when it decides to take the perspective of the humans it does not use them to give a sense of the scale of what's happening where in the first one it does so there's the the halo jump right where we see through his vision as he's falling through the city right so we see just how big and massive and terrifying this really is and there's a bunch of moments in that film where we're seeing things from a human perspective and realizing we're fucking tiny little things and we really have we can't do shit to these these creatures like our guns are fucking worthless like they're not going to do shit right uh, in this film, it does feel maybe it is something to do with being in contained spaces, or it's maybe a direction problem where they just wanted the action to be more high octane and didn't want to think about 
the 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 consistency of the relation between the human we don't really have those shots where we kind of get like a human perspective of the the massive scale of things uh at least not to the same degree as we got in the other film and i think that's actually unfortunate here because i think it would have benefited a lot the cinematography doesn't really give us a good sense of scale between the the humans and the kaiju at any given time I, d- I appreciated that, unlike Pacific Rim, at least this wasn't always filmed in rain where we actually could make out the kaiju, but the kaiju just were not filmed well or consistently with each other or with, especially with the humans. It was interesting to me because it was almost like, um, especially reflecting back on it, it was almost like looking at the titans slash kaiju, whatever you want to call them, on a chessboard. Because they're playing with such massive space. Like in this one, they're, it's almost like they're playing with the whole planet. As opposed to in, uh, in 2014 Godzilla, there's, it's very specific spaces, right? You have the, the jungle scenes, uh, Hawaii, uh, San Francisco. Um, those, it's, it's a much more geographically contained film, whereas this one is planet spanning and i think it does lose something in that but it's like when you have kaiju that are freaking i don't even know how tall they are in this one um but obviously godzilla has grown exponentially since he was a tiny tot in the first godzilla movie he eats his vegetables he totally eats his vegetables strong to the finish (laughs) 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 but i think that that is a problem with this film. But I think we've covered a lot of the big things by now. Let's do final thoughts and grades. Sean. Yeah, so this conversation did not change my opinion of where I started. Sometimes that happens where we talk about it and I kind of feel like, oh, I liked it a little bit more or oh, my opinion on that changed. This one, no, it just kind of made it even worse, (laughs) to be honest. I, I did not really enjoy this film. Uh, I I just felt that it... They really should have let just someone else write and direct it. Because I just think it comes down to either solely the writing and the direction or a combination of that with the studios or just the studio manipulating that. I don't know. Because I feel like that's really what it comes down to. It, it just is not the film that I wanted to see. And so for that reason, I'm giving it a D+. Plus. Ouch. I I just didn't I just didn't enjoy I fell asleep twice. Yeah, no, that's fair. Paul, final thoughts and grade. Um, as I, I've already expressed my disappointments and my likes of the film, um, I'll just w- say one w- one small thing. Kaiju are sorcerers because they bend reality because the square cube law means that Godzilla could never actually exist in real life. He just could not stand up given what he's made out of, but it could have been better. Could have been worse. It was, it was a way to sit in a movie theater with my boot. So I will give it a B minus. Fair enough, Alex. I I obviously feel two ways about this movie because I thought the kaiju movie portion of it was pretty fun, and I thought the American summer blockbuster portion of it was incredibly boring. And unfortunately, you can't ha- unhint or disarticulate them. Um, I mean, 
I found it more enjoyable on just sort of like a let's watch monsters step on things level than I did the 2014 film. I still need to rewatch the 2014 film to see if, if in retrospect, I feel like it had more, you know, like crunchy goodness to it. But, you know, I didn't feel like I wasted my money. I enjoyed drinking a beer and eating popcorn while I watched this. Um, so I'll, I'll go ahead and give it a, um, I think, I think, Paul had the right idea. I think it's a B minus. All right. Fair enough. And that leaves you, Jen, as I take over hosting duties for this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just switch back and forth. It's all good. Um, So So I have not completely expressed my absolute squee over this film because y'all are downers and I hate you. I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I had a lot of squee in this film, but I think I've sort of trained myself while watching Godzilla movies and um, especially after like watching Super Inframan and like learning more about Tokusatsu from Brandon O'Brien and Niori Kusano on their Righteous Kicks podcast and things like that. Like I've really learned to just kind of separate things <laughs> um, and as... As Alex said, this is trying to be two different movies, and the the American Nuclear Family movie was pointless and uh, should have been tossed out the window. But again, gotta love America. Um, and but the kaiju part, I really enjoyed. I thought Mothra and Godzilla themselves and the aesthetic of this film really just made it for me. Maybe it shouldn't have, given the half of the film that is not kaiju, but it still did. And I am super excited to revisit the entire Godzilla franchise and the new cinematic universe that the WB is creating with its monster franchise, which started with, obviously, 2014 Godzilla, uh, which was... You know, then followed by, though, preceded by Skull Island, then this film, and then we're getting uh, Godzilla versus Kong next time. And all of that I'm really looking forward to, to see how it, it plays out further. Because, frankly, the more kaiju, the better in my life. And uh, I liked this more than I did Pac-Rim 2. So, um, and honestly, kind of more than Pac-Rim 1 in a lot of ways. So, yeah, giant monsters. Also, Clifford the Big Red Dog, a kaiju. I'm going to give it a B plus because it's not the Meg, frankly. Very few things are the Meg. I know, it was such a good movie. Everybody just go watch the Meg. Yeah, the Meg <laughs> is like, it is It is just pure joy stuck in a needle and then injected directly into your heart. And technically it's a kaiju film. I mean, it I'm, is. I'm just saying. And then Jason Statham literally punches a shark. Exactly. We average out to a C plus. Oh, thank you, Paul. So thank you so much for being here to talk about this movie. I, I love each of you almost as much as I love each of the kaiju that were in this film. Divvied out appropriately, uh, except that I am Mothra in this version. So What? You are so not Mothra. You are not a Mothra. You're maybe the behemoth. No. First off, you were at best the Muto that was shown in this movie, Jen. 
And if you... Oh, I don't even get to be Muto 1 or 2? You know what? Just just go F yourself. No, I think you both can stop arguing because I'm fucking King Ghidorah. That's, I was going with that. That's absolutely true. Yeah. And I feel like Paul is very much a Rodan. Paul is totally a Rodan. Yeah. So, and then David is naturally Godzilla. David is totally Godzilla, but um, I'm sorry, you do not get to be Mothra. Fuck off, I'm Mothra. You're not a Mothra. You're you're really not a Mothra. I'm sorry. I am so Mothra. Sorry, honey. You are not gay enough to be Mothra. No, Well, no, neither no, is Jen. No. She gets to be Muto the third. I didn't say Jen was Mothra. I'm saying that Mothra is so high above all of us that none exactly. of us are Mothra. Well, then who the fuck am I? I don't know. I told you you're the behemoth. I don't even know what that is. That was like the, the thing with the, the tusk thingies, right? Yeah, the giant, the giant mammoth. I mean, that's elephant. like you when, you when you haven't bothered to shave. I feel like that's accurate. I've shared an apartment with you at a Worldcon. I would I would like to um be Methuselah personally. Actually. Oh Jesus. I, I either want to be Scylla or Methuselah. And if I can't be either one of those things, then yeah, then this podcast is canceled and I'm not releasing it. Okay. All right. We're we're done with this <laughs> line of reasoning. So thank you everybody who has been listening on and for joining us for this conversation on Godzilla King of the Monsters. If you'd like to drop us a line, you can do so via email, skiffingfanny at gmail.com or on Twitter at skiffingfanty. You can also find out lo- all about our stuff, like book reviews and all that kind of cool stuff at skiffyandfanty.com. And we do a booktube at uh, youtube.com slash skiffyandfanty. Thank you for everyone who subscribed there. If you don't want to miss anything, Jen does our newsletter. You can go to skiffyandfanty.com slash newsletter for that. And if you like what we do, you can support this podcast by giving us at least 33 cents at patreon.com slash skiffyandfanty. So uh, other than that, uh, you know... Godzilla has a has a nice ass. It's the world's ass. It's he the does- world's ass. <laughs> yes. And on that note, awkward ending and scene. You're welcome, citizen. You're welcome. If you would like to support this show, you can go to patreon.com slash skiffyandfanty or find us on Twitter at skiffyandfanty, our webpage skiffyandfanty.com, or you can even send us an email at skiffyandfanty at gmail.com. The intro music for this podcast was taken from Rock Thing by Creo. You can find out more about their music on freemusicarchive.org.